Okay, let's uh, dive in and make a start. A warm, oh, there we go. A warm welcome to you if you gathered during our worship. And uh, if I've never met you before, uh, hello, my name's Paul. And uh, together with a number of folks, we lead this wonderful community of people called Carrick Fergus Vineyard Church. Uh, we're nearly nine years old. Nearly. In fact, we were talking just earlier about do we celebrate? If so, what do we do? So answers on a postcard and send them in. I mean an email or a tweet or a, one of those things. I'm really, really modern and hip, as you can tell. And um, uh, if, you're, if you're new or nearly new or just checking us out, you may well know that recently in our um, church community, we lost a dear friend of ours, Steve Fugard, who was a founding father of our church. And um, Just these last number of days and weeks since that, uh, together, we've just been journeying that together with the family. And uh, I thought it would just be appropriate to say right now to us as church, and m there's many of us who are part of our church who just aren't here today for whatever reason, is, uh, is thank you for your incredible, incredible love and support and uh, standing together, shoulder to shoulder, uh, as we're journeying this together. It's just been simply stunning. I've seen it. I've seen love in action so many times. I'd love to be able to quote exactly where, uh, where Jesus says this, but it says uh, they'll, know, uh, they'll know the love of God is in them when they see you, us, love one another. And that's really, really been prevalent. And it's been noticed by ourselves. It's been noticed by a wider community who've been looking from the outside in. And uh, so thank you. And let's continue that. Let's continue as we lead and as we love and as we continue to partner with the Father in the things that God has for us as a church community here in this town and the surrounding area, that we would be the hands and feet of Jesus, that we would uh, do everything that he's called us to. Um, so just felt like I needed to sort of say that as we began. Chantel started a new teaching series a number of weeks ago called The Apprentice, and uh, it's what we've been planning and wanting to do for the, for the next number of weeks for this term. And uh, I, uh, for those of you there, you'll remember she used lots and lots of running analogies, which I just loved. And uh, she used the well-known um, verses, which are some of my favorite verses from Hebrews 12, about throwing off the sin that hinders us and the things that hold us back and to run the race marked out for us, and just loved all that. And I, I loved the fact that she shared her personal journey uh, physically uh, running. I would love to report that since then, she's been uh, running on a practically daily basis, but sadly that's not true, and I can't report that. Uh, nonetheless, she went out yesterday, and that was great. Hey. <laughs> And then just last week, uh, our dear friend Michelle Scott from Dungannon Vineyard 
came as a guest and visited him was just absolutely stunning. So many of you rightly have said how good it was because it was. And uh, there are lots of standout moments. And I'm sure that whenever someone speaks, it's not just someone, but I'm sure that God speaks through the words. And there was just a couple of things that I just remember so vividly. And it was this. It was about learning and leaning into the person of the Holy Spirit. This life transformation, this doing life with Jesus thing is about the person of the Holy Spirit. And I just loved uh, so much of what she said was, you know, we can try really hard in life to be godly. We can try really hard to do the good living thing. And there's many of us that do that. But then on the other hand, we can actually take grace and what Jesus has done for us to the other extreme. And that's, well, let's blow it. I can do whatever the heck I want because God's grace covers it all. We really want to be centered in the middle, really, where we're saying, no, actually, God's called us to godliness. And it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And it's not about us trying really hard to be really good and to avoid certain things. And it's not about us trying really hard to tick the boxes and do the things because man expects us to do them. But it's about being obedient to what the Holy Spirit is doing and saying in our lives. And that leads us really into this, uh, this week where we're really talking about what does it really mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be a disciple or an apprentice of the rabbi from Nazareth? And Michelle actually mentioned the three things, and she's probably reading or learning from the same uh, material as we are um, from a brilliant teaching series called Practicing uh, the Way from an from a incredible young Bible teacher called John Mark Comer. Some of you will have heard of him. Some of you may well have read some of his uh, material and listened to some of his teaching. But he basically says, to be a follower of Jesus, an apprentice of Jesus, the rabbi of Nazareth, it is to be with Jesus, is to become like Jesus, and it is to do the things that Jesus did. And I guess the question is this, is, is it possible to do those things, to be with Jesus in our modern day lives? Is that actually realistic in our fast moving, fast paced world where things are chaotic, where uh, we live in a world where we do what pleases us? That's totally true. The world, the culture around is screaming at us going, just do whatever you want to do, what makes you feel good. If you want to be this, you can be this. You want to do that, just go and do it. If it feels good, that's, yeah, you can go do that. In a world where the word commitment is uh, a word and not necessarily something that's lived out, where it's important to show up, where it's important to uh, do the very things that you said that you were going to do. Is it possible to be a follower of Jesus? And of course, yes, it is. Jesus was known for many things. He was the Son of God. He was the Messiah. But he was also, in fact, he was first known as a rabbi. Now, um, the word rabbi simply means teacher. And the rabbi, he was one of many, many rabbis at that time. And uh, a rabbi was someone who was an outstanding scholar of the Torah, which was basically what we know as the Old Testament. 
And he'd kind of come onto the scene at the age of 30, and he was known as this well-known uh, or becoming well-known Bible scholar or rabbi. I think that in this common culture, being a follower of Jesus has nearly been a cliche. We can simply say it, that that's what we are and that's what we do. But do we really, really follow? Want to uh, look at just a few scriptures of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. Mark chapter 1. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, his brother, Andrew, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The invitation is clear. Come, follow me. Note that he chooses fishermen, and he uses the phrase, and I will make you fishers of men, and we'll come back to that in a few minutes' time. Skipping forwards to Mark chapter 2. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. Again, in this passage, we read the words, follow me. An invitation, an invitation into relationship. This was a unique relationship, though, because this was a, a rabbi inviting an individual to literally come follow him. And in our modern day world, we can't just simply kind of give up our jobs and go and become a monk. <laughs> or some do, or become a nun, and some do. In our modern day lives, that's just incredibly difficult. But in this cultural context and in this situation, in this scenario, we actually read that they left their jobs of being fishermen, of being tax collectors, and literally came and followed and became an apprentice under the rabbi Jesus. Chapter 3 of Mark. Jesus went up onto a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve, and then we can read who they were. Jesus chooses the twelve that they might be with him. That for three years they would apprentice under him as the rabbi, that they would learn from him, that Jesus himself would model what it was, the kingdom of God, the message that he was bringing, that he would not only uh, have the disciples follow him, but he would train them to do the very things that Jesus did. It wasn't just simply to go out to preach, but it was to do the stuff and again We'll look at that in a few minutes' time. Mark chapter 8. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Here, Jesus not only is speaking to individuals, 
He's not only uh, speaking to the 12 chosen disciples, but he addresses the crowd and he gives them and he offers them the same invitation to come and follow him, that they must deny themselves, that they must take up their cross and follow him. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? You see, in our common culture, we're in danger of treating it similar to being a follower on Facebook or being a follower on Twitter, something like that, where simply we just tick the button and, oh yeah, that's what I do. But actually, really, realistically, who of us is really following Jesus? Who of us is really hand on heart, spending our moments throughout the day being with Jesus, listening to his voice, obeying his lead, becoming more like him, and practicing and doing the very things that he does. You see, there's a big difference between simply saying it and doing it. And we want to be a people, don't we? We were having dinner with some friends of ours last night. And uh, it just came up in the conversation. Uh, they were recalling someone else's conversation. They said, oh, such and such, they're a Christian. But they, 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 and they, they kind of expounded, uh, expanded on what they meant. It wasn't just a Christian by name. It was actually they were like a proper follower of Jesus. Like they, they actually had a proper relationship with Jesus. And there was almost like this differential between name on title and actually what it says on the tin. To be a follower of Jesus requires much more devotion and commitment than just simply clicking like or clicking follow or whatever it is. To be a follower of a rabbi in first century Israel was known as the Talmudim. The Talmudim were like the elite, the best of the best. Those that got trained up in the, in the, uh, the knowledge of the Torah. This word apprentice is a little bit of a play on words from our um, uh, TV program where someone apprentices and, and, and gets trained up to become one of Lord Sugar's uh, next kind of men or women. The word apprentice we probably more commonly associate with, uh, with a, uh, some sort of trade. You want to become a plumber, you want to become a carpenter, electrician, you serve an apprenticeship. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking, goodness, the closest thing I've had to that being an apprentice, I guess, was doing teaching practice in this school. And I tell you, I was like a fish out of water coming into here and thinking, oh my goodness, what am I doing? And I learned very quickly from watching other teachers. And there were certain teachers that I learned to watch very closely. And other teachers, I was like, I'm not going to learn a great deal there, if I'm really honest. An apprentice is one who learns from another. One who submits themselves under someone. And so, a very, very brief history of... Uh, of first century discipleship uh, in terms of uh, kind of education for children. There was a first level of education where uh, up until the age of 12, a child would read and memorize the first five books of the scriptures. Can you imagine? 
Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, Leviticus, memorizing it. That's what people before the age of 12 were expected to do. At the age of 13, the females at that age and onwards were expected to begin to marry off and have children. A scary thought, isn't it? Then the second level of education is this, that the boys, usually in their mid-teens, uh, would learn from the family business. And as they would do that, they would continue to learn the rest of the books of the Old Testament, trying to memorize the rest of it. Now comes the third level. This was the best of the best, the Talmudim. They would undergo a rigorous interview. Questions would be asked about what they knew of the Old Testament. And if they passed the test, a rabbi would invite a person to become a Talmudim. That they would come with them, that they would apprentice themselves in their lives, live with them, learn from them, eat with them, travel together with them. Much like what we learn that Jesus did with his twelve. And after a long period of time of training and equipping and being an apprentice to a rabbi, eventually, eventually, they would become a rabbi themselves and they would learn and they would lead and they would gather other people to themselves as well. Challenge for us today in our common culture, is it possible to apprentice ourselves to Jesus? This first century style of discipleship, is it possible? Is it possible to be with him, to become like him, and to do the very things that he did and still does? What we want to do over the next number of weeks is, is explore those three things. That we would revisit what we did this time last year. We, we would look at the practices, practices of being with Jesus about reading the scriptures, about spending time with him, just one-on-one, -on -one, praying together. It's time in, spent in silence and solitude. It's time in worship. Time confessing, time fasting, that we would intentionally spend our lives, first and foremost, with him, being with him. On Friday, church just passed I spoke very briefly about the person of the Holy Spirit. And I did a very, very brief thing about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I said, I have noticed in my life, when things are going well in life, and I don't mean everything's all swimming. There could be a storm raging actually in life. But when I'm doing well in life is usually the time when I'm pressing into the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit reveals the Father and the Son to us. That's his job. That's his role. That's his personality. He is the advocate, the advocate that speaks on behalf of another and speaks and reminds us of the teachings and the scriptures that Jesus himself spoke. Jesus in John 15 basically said, the Holy Spirit will come to you and will remind you of the things that I have said. And I have noticed for me when life is going well, or I'm doing well in life, probably I should clarify, is when I'm spending intentional time in the presence of Jesus, the person of the Holy Spirit. And when I begin to withdraw, and it's my choice, it's not him, he doesn't run away, 
I withdraw and pull back. That's when anxiety begins to increase. That's when fear creeps in. That's when I start making choices that I would rather not do. And we begin to pick up Romans chapter 7. The very things that I ought to do, I don't do. And the very things that I don't want to do, they're the things that I do. Why? Because I begin to live out of my carnal desires. Out of the flesh, as Paul writes about. But as I begin to tap into the person of Jesus, as I be with Jesus, that's when he begins to shape me on the inside out. And it affects my thinking, it affects my speaking, it affects where I choose to go and the people that I'm with. And sometimes I can just be aware of his presence and God pops something into my head, a person into my head. And I think, flip, why is that person in my head? Perhaps I'm meant to pray for them. Perhaps I'm meant to text them or ring them and say, how are you doing? Are you okay? And I begin to walk this journey, this incredible journey that Jesus has for us in obedience with him. And I begin to be the hands and feet of Jesus and begin to do the very things. That I, Jesus says, I only do what the Father is doing. And he looks to him. And we're looking to the Father and the Son through the person of the Holy Spirit as we learn to practice his presence. And so we're going to talk about that over the next number of weeks. What does it mean to be with Jesus? As we do that, we become like him. Uh, there's a wonderful word called sanctification. It basically means becoming. Becoming the very person that God intended us to be. That he begins to transform us from the inside out. A little bit of uh, extracurricular work for you to do during the week is read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's nearly like a blueprint of, of good Christian living. That sounds really naff. But, but it's the very things that Jesus spoke about. Just read those things. That's what it, a life transformed really, really looks like. This Christian thing is not about behavior modification. It's not about trying really hard to match up or shape up or meet someone's expectations. It's about allowing and inviting him to change us from the inside out. And as we do that, we do the very things that Jesus did. We carry on with the master's work. Traditional uh, rabbi would have had the Talmudin simply teaching the scriptures based on what they'd learnt. King Jesus, the Rabbi Jesus, not only calls us and sends us to teach and to preach and to share the good news of Jesus, but he invites us to go do the stuff. So we phrase that we use, doing the stuff. It means not only to preach the gospel and teach the way, but it means to heal the sick. It means to bind up the brokenhearted. It means to fight for uh, injustice, fight against injustice, should I say. Standing up for those that cannot, standing up against oppression, raising the dead, praying and prophesying, eating and drink, drinking with people far from God and bringing about peace. They're the things that he did and they're the things that he's inviting us to do. Um, the 
video came up on the screen at the very beginning for those of us that were on time. Um, sorry, just had to put that in. Um, and I turned this into, I was like, that's brilliant, and it's brilliant video, and it's time to be refreshed in terms of not the content of it, just the style of it, or it just needs a wee update. But the content of it remains the same. This is who we are as a people, that we're called to have relationship with him first and foremost, to love the Lord your God with all our heart, to have relationship with one another. And that's what we love so much. That's what I said at the very, very beginning of this was just celebrating and saying thank you and well done. What an incredible family as we stand together and love one another. But he's called us to love the last, the least, the lost. Those who don't yet know Jesus, those who are far from God, those who right now are either in their beds or in their homes and they're riddled with anxiety, they're riddled with all kinds of things that are coming against them. And Jesus is calling us to be his hands and his feet that we would set the captives free. Being a follower of Jesus is much more than just simply saying, oh, my name's Paul, I'm a Christian, I go to church, and oh, I like to run as well, and I've got a wife and a kid. It's about becoming the very unique person he has made us to be. The word Christian is used three times in the New Testament and not in a good way, whereas the word disciple is used 268 times in the New Testament. In fact, the early Christians weren't even known as Christians. They were known as people of the way. The way. The way that things were done. The way that Jesus did it. There were two groups of people described in the New Testament. There were the disciples, the people of the way, and then there were the crowds, those that just went along. I want to be a disciple. I want to be an apprentice. I want to be a follower. Which group are you in? The invitation that Jesus said to each of his disciples were whoever wants to be my disciple. It's whoever it's open to whoever. It wasn't like the Talmudin, the best of the best, the elite, the ones that already knew the Torah. It was the ordinary. It was the fisher men. I said I'd recall that phrase, fishers of men. It was more than just what I think most of us have come to understand. But it was actually a phrase that was used in uh, those times a fisher of men was someone that would go and actually enlighten the minds of others doesn't matter where we've come from what our background is what our education is Jesus is inviting whoever that they might follow me and do the things this doesn't happen overnight it's a process it's a lifetime of change and a lifetime of becoming we don't wake up tomorrow and decide we're going to run a marathon. We spend time training. We don't wake up tomorrow and go, I'm going to play the most incredible piano piece on the piano. <laughs> we spend a long time training, becoming. We don't 
wake up tomorrow and go, I'm, I'm going to bake the most incredible birthday cake. It's going to have all the icing on top and all the trimmings. We spend time practicing. Make crepes this morning for uh, Hope and Hope's wee friend Anna. I thought, I am really good at making crepes now. I don't even have to weigh the flour. I've gotten that good. I just know that's about right. An egg bit of butter, melted butter, a bit of milk in there, stir it, get the pan at the right temperature. Tell you how many blooming crepes I have made and thrown in the bin. I'm a master at crepes now. It's just brilliant. It takes time training, training. And we need to learn from him. We need to apprentice our lives to him. But we also do that in community. And that's what I love about our church, that we do this together. I'm so thrilled by so many of us that have signed up to life groups that have started this week past. The feedback and the stories I've gotten and from the groups that we're a part of are absolutely wonderful. And I would wholeheartedly encourage you, if you're not in a group, join one and go to it. It is life-changing and life-giving. And so please consider doing that.